Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host, Richard Pereira, and joining me today is editor at large, Cam Priester, and sports editor, Maddox Greenberg. Hey, guys, how's it been going for you this past week? Um, pretty good on my end. Um, a lot of good FAU stuff to talk about. Um, a lot of good uh, NBA stuff to talk about. We're kind of getting in like the latter half of the playoffs now. Um, so I'll save some of that. But yeah, a lot of good stuff to talk about. I'm ready to get into it. Uh, for me, been pretty good. Uh, just had an interview with a sports editor for the Daily Texan. So I got some good information about the role of sports editor. Uh, and as a fan, just happy my uh, Celtics won, right, Richard? We took, we got the head coach for the 76ers fired, so. <laughs> Tough luck. Tough luck. But, yeah, to start off today's episode, we're going to go over FBU football this time around. Um, since, the, since spring football came to a close last month on the 15th of April, um, FBU football has been active. And getting guys from the transfer portal, they have a, they have got multiple guys like, and they've been really targeting the quarterback. Uh, they've been targeting the linebackers, the tight ends, and of course the quarterback spot. Uh, while Daniel Richardson has done very well in, in the spring game, uh, it was pretty clear that Tom Herman and the coaching staff is wanting to strengthen that depth uh, quite a bit more at the quarterback spot, and they found that with the addition of Casey Thompson, who came from Nebraska uh, last season, who, who played for Nebraska last, se- last season and was also a former player under Herman's staff when Herman used to be at Texas. So obviously a very big connection there. And it was a very big pickup for FU football, looking to really be successful for their first season in the American. So what are your thoughts on how FU football has done getting these guys from the transfer portal? And most recently they got a Miami tight end, well, two tight ends from Miami and Alabama. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I really, really have been um, impressed with kind of like the moves through the transfer portal. Um, kind of like it's not really been recent. It started with kind of with Daniel Richardson back in January, I want to say. But um, this is kind of what you want to see because whenever Tom Herman first got here, his one of his bigger selling points it was the division one experience, but it was the, his kind of track record on the recruiting trail um, and past stops. But I, I really like the additions. I really, especially I like kind of the more recent offense, offensive additions, especially um, Elijah Brown, former Alabama tight end, which is not breaking news, but it's been within the past couple of days. Um, I really like, I really like the offensive additions. Um, mainly because I think kind of what FAU needs, desperately needs, is some consistency on offense um, and getting all like the weapons and offensive firepower you can um, for a quarterback who's going to be, um, depends on who it be, ends up being, could be generally inexperienced. It's going to, getting all the kind of weapons you can is going to make that um, process a lot, a lot smoother and achieving that consistency a lot um easier um last season kind of especially it was cozy perry calling signals and everyone kind of knew his ceiling potential how good of a player he could be it was just getting him to reach that potential on a week by week basis so whoever does end up calling signals for fau i'm hoping um they kind of get that consistency that they need um 
and getting all these offensive weapons will definitely make that much more achievable, I think. So I, I really am pleased with some of the movement they've been getting on the on the recruiting trail and through the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, I have a follow back on what Cameron said. I was really impressed uh, how Tom Herman's been doing re with recruiting. Uh, when I got a chance to interview him in uh, spring, I believe, having a chance to speak to him and knowing uh, where he stands as a coach of him being very like meticulous, like as like, an offensive coach in his background now, as like a color analyst, but also as like a uh, offensive analyst as well for the Chicago Bears, having a different background, different mindset of how the game is played. Uh, he did a great, uh, that's good for him as a, having a head coach that has that background, seeing the game in different aspects, especially going to a new conference, which this conference he has experience coaching and has a lot of success in. He also is like, has a very good record in bowl games. So now him having a quarterback like Casey Thompson, who I did a story on of him, a former Longhorn who knows Herman very well, who Herman coached Casey Thompson early in, in Thompson's career. I think it's going to be very good and very exciting to see how they do. And seeing that tight end we got from Alabama, like, I don't know how good, like, Elijah Brown is at Alabama. I don't know if he really has that much playing time, but coming yeah. from Alabama, very good football program, one of the best in the nation. It's very exciting to see. And so I do think that all the additions we got is going to be very exciting. We just got to see how well we play, how well the dominoes fall for us in the um, – for us in our schedule because early on we're playing Clemson and Illinois two big schools and then we're playing uh Eastern Carolina East Carolina we're playing Tulane who took out UC at USC and the uh one of the New Year's Bowls it was how which bowl it was a Cotton Bowl I think Cotton Bowl yep yeah it took them out in the Cotton Bowl and I think Tulsa is also pretty good so having those like good teams in our conference next semester next year is gonna be exciting to see interesting to see how well we play against those big schools and potentially uh, in the next couple of years when the college football playoffs uh, playoff bracket away, it's going to be structured, see how well we play. We could eventually be in the, uh, comp in the uh, playoffs potentially. We'll just have to see how well we play this year with, with a, a lot of expectations. And before we kind of move on, I also kind of want to, I like the, I wanted to add that I like the idea of him um, kind of heating up the uh, quarterback competition because um they it's not like they had a before Casey Thompson arrived they had a lack of quarterbacks on the roster between um you know Richardson and Michael Johnson and then some of the incoming freshmen but you know I like that he's bringing in um you know another face to that uh mix to kind of heat up the competition a little bit especially when like the past two seasons we've basically known already like who's going to be our guy under center going in so I, I do like kind of the emphasis on competition, bringing like another guy into that mix, excuse me. Yeah, for sure. And, but yeah, as I said earlier, since, since spring football ended, FU got seven guys from the transfer portal, uh, two of them being tight ends, Casey Thompson being the, the only quarterback, uh, Jalen Huff from Georgia Tech, defensive back, uh, Desmond Tisdall from Auburn, linebacker, a defensive lineman, Jude Okolo from Illinois State, and of course, Devin Price from Texas A&M for, for the receiving core. So, well, there's a good chance that some transfers will still be on the way for FEU. It, it's very possible. So just got to keep an eye out. And 
just hope that FU football continues to stack up, stack, continue stacking their depth in each of the positions that they're really focusing on improving. So best of luck to them on that front. I actually do want to uh, add something. So okay. I remember you and I were both, Richard, you and I were both there when they were introducing the, um, I think it was like not coach staff, I think it was like coaching staff and, or was the, uh, like the recruits they got. But Herman, someone asked Herman about how he, as like a new coach coming in following the success of the men's basketball team. So I think also like of him very well with him recruiting, also may fall back on that huge success FAU men's basketball has had how they put the university on the map in the fall and spring semester. So it'll be very interesting to see on that success on the bas men's basketball side, how football will do. Yeah, for sure. And I'm hoping the same happens for football in, the, in a similar way that happened for basketball. Hopefully that happens. So moving on from FU football, we have FU baseball. Um, after losing um, last Tuesday against Florida Gulf Coast at 8-7, a very tight contest, they bounced back by winning their series against Louisiana Tech, the last home series, uh, winning two out of three in what was a very offensive battle. It, a lot of runs were scored from both sides. It was a back and forth effort, including the second game where it was a program record 16 innings for FAU. That, that is the most innings they have ever played in a baseball game. Unfortunately, they lost that one uh, with Louisiana Tech scoring six runs in the 16th inning, which is very tough luck. But hey, they bounced back by beating them 12-11 in 10 innings for the series finale. So well, what do you guys think of how FAU is closing out the, the final week of this season? Especially with, as of the time of this recording, it is a Tuesday and it will be their last home game of the season against Florida Gulf Coast, which is a few hours from now, which I will be at in a bit. So, and after that, they go on their last road series of the regular season against UAB. So what are your guys' thoughts on how FU is approaching their final week of the regular season? I think, I think they got to be feeling pretty, um, you know, good about themselves. You know, a pretty solid conference win at this point in the season. Um, you know, if you anytime you kind of ask Coach Mac uh, like what he wants to see out of his team, more often than not, he'll just say wins and losses. We need wins. It comes down to wins and losses. So I think that is that mindset's kind of right. Um, if you're winning games at this point in the year, it's it's that's what you want to see. Um, kind of looking at the Friday game, um, C.J. Williams got the start for FAU, and they were kind of really um, tagging him up a little bit, but some really good defense um, and the offense has really kind of been swinging the bat well as of late um, relying on that really good defense while the offense kind of does their thing. Um, it was a pretty comfortable win on Friday. And then on Saturday, um, not, not much you can say about that. It was kind of neck and neck there until like the ninth inning. And then we were going 16 innings, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, they kind of just, they kind of just fell apart a little bit and, when you're playing 16 innings at this point in the season, um, a middle game of the series, that it's sports, that's kind of just something that happens. But it, what made me feel better is that they're going into like another extra inning marathon the next day and can can show that they can close out that win, um, relying on Nolan Shanewell, who's been the man he, all year. He came up big again. Um, so it, it's wins. So it's what, what you want to see. Um, in the season, they had in the final two games. They had to go probably deeper in their pull than the bullpen, 
um, than Mac probably wanted to. But when you're playing extra innings, it's that's that's what happens. So um, yeah, they're getting they got the win they got their wins. So it really got to feel pretty good about themselves heading into tonight, which is a winnable game. Um, I think it would be very very um, good for their mental. I think to take this series against FGCU, a team that was top. 15 in the entire nation at one point or at whenever they beat them twice actually they were number 15 in the nation so getting a uh, season series win against um, a very a good program like FGCU it's um, exactly what you need heading into postseason play so um, right now they should be feeling good and if they can get things done tonight they should be feeling a lot better yeah I think um but as but Cameron said, like Florida Gulf Coast was ranked uh, earlier in the season when FAU beat them uh, once or twice, and they also have taken out, they also have taken out um, Miami at one point, who's also uh, ranked in the nation. Yeah. So FAU's uh, no like stranger to uh, facing and defeating great teams, especially Florida Gulf Coast, which we have faced in our fourth time this season. So we're kind of like used to them in a way, and I think just showing in the past. Uh, in the last series with Louisiana Tech and how in the second game we lost in extra innings, but the next game we won in extra innings, proving that we can stay in that way, stay in that game and stay consistent. I do think that I definitely trust Nolan Shanuel, trust the Boyton Bomber, that guy on Mother's, on, uh, not Mother's, it was uh, the Sunday game. He hit a two-run home run that set up the victory on um yeah, it was on Mother's Day. Yeah, he said the two-run home run on Mother's Day, which is very good to see. And Lock I do think, but yeah, I wasn't. But yeah, uh, yes, I do think that um, just defend home, uh, defend home turf, and I think FAU will do that. And it's good to have momentum on that after winning winning two-one against Louisiana Tech in a very tough series. So I think coming off a win tonight. To head over to face UAB in the last series before the playoffs, it would be very big. So I think just be consistent on the pitchers, make sure the pitchers do a good job just striking out batters, not allowing any balls, not allowing balls, walks, not allowing that. The defense has to play well and just trust the uh, offense at bat, including Nolan Shanuel to, to victory. Yeah, sure. We'll definitely see that uh, later today against FGCU. And then later on during the week when they play UAB starting Thursday and then the series finale and, of course, the regular season, the last game of the regular season on Saturday at noon. So best of luck to them, and hopefully they finish the regular season on a strong note before they begin their time in the Conference USA tournament. And that will finish our time with FU Sports. Now we head on to national sports, and we have the NBA playoffs to talk about. Um, the... The, the conference semifinals for the, both the East and West came to a close this past weekend. And we have our final four, the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat from the Eastern Conference and the Los Angeles Lakers and Denver Nuggets from the Western Conference, a rematch of the 2020 conference finals in when they were in the bubble. Uh, all, the, the, all the main guys are still there. Uh, Lakers have LeBron maybe, the Nuggets have Jokic and Murray. Uh, the Celtics with Tatum and Brown, and of course the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler and Bam. So it's very clear this is a rematch 
from three years ago. And while the teams are some are significant are different from from that time, it is still the headlines of those teams are still the same. So what do you guys think of what went down during the semifinals and what are your expectations heading into these conference finals matchups? Well, I'll kind of start with the East um, and Celtics Sixers. Um, it's just, it came down to inconsistency for um, Philadelphia. Your stars have to perform in the playoffs. It's every night. Your stars have to perform every single game. It can't be they show up game one, take two games off, show up game four. It, it has to be every single game or you're going to get caught. And Joel Embiid has just, again, proved he's just he's in, way too inconsistent in the playoffs. And he, he gets caught for it every single year. Um, I But if I'm Boston, I'm not feeling overly confident going into the, the Eastern Conference Finals for that exact same reason. Um, Jason Tatum, he's far too hot and cold. And something I, I kind of wanted just to, to mention quickly, I just found it, like, kind of interesting how, like, the inconsistency with Jalen uh, Jalen Brown, excuse me, Jason Tatum and Embiid, the hot and coldness is treated so differently. Embiid kind of gets stones thrown at him for it, which rightfully so, if you're the MVP, you have to perform in the playoffs every night. Um, And on the other side, Jason Tatum, he's hot and cold too. And it's a, what have you done for me now league? And more recently he's put up 51 points, but I don't, that, that doesn't kind of change the fact that in game six, he, for three quarters, he put up a real stinker. And unless the 76ers have, don't have that, you know, monumental collapse in the last eight minutes, um, this conversation might be different. So because of that, I don't think Boston should be too overly confident going against uh, the Heat just because of that, the kind of tear Jimmy's on and the fact that they're playing with house money right now. I don't think not many people had them at this point, you know, being an eight seed, um, having to fight their way through the play, through the play in to get here. But now that they were at this point and they have like that kind of nothing to lose now um, mentality, I, I don't think Boston should take this series lightly. And if it were to go to seven games, I, um, but uh, it really wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and then kind of moving to the, the West, um, Lakers, Nuggets. I'm not too sure how to feel about this series because, you know, all the narrative we've been hearing since, like, the series has been set for sure now. It's how, like, kind of evenly, you know, matched they are because of um, they're both so deep um, and they both can. It's not exactly one player. I know that kind of sounds odd with – Denver because of Jokic, but they kind of, it's not solely, it hasn't been every game just Jokic taking over. They really rely on their role players a lot, the same way that um, uh, the Lakers do. So I think ultimately that series is going to come down to um, matchups, who who's winning, who can, which coach can, you know, kind of scheme up the right matchups to take advantage and who can perform on the road. Both of these teams, I want to say, are 6-0. and Correct me if I'm wrong, at home during the playoffs. Um, 
So whoever is going to be able, you're going to have to steal a game on the road. We know that if we want to win this series. So who can, you know, perform when they're not in their elements, you know, when they have like a raucous crowd in their ear. Um, road performances will be big, but I, I, I don't really want to call a prediction right now just because like everyone's saying these teams are so evenly matched. I assume this would another be, be also be a series that definitely goes six games, no doubt in my mind. Probably seven, though, if I had to call it. Uh, for me, I'm probably also going to start with, uh, with the Heat and Celtics. Um, before the Celtics got here, the semifinals, uh, I was really worried after uh, the Celtics blew that chance to win game five. Game five, whoever team wins that, wins <laughs> tied to the two, has an 85% chance, no, 82% chance to win the, uh, the whole series. So I was worried about that. But to me, in my opinion, for now, to me, uh, sorry, it's an ad point. Uh, so, for me, um, looking at game six and how it ended and how the Celtics came back and won in the game that, in my opinion, uh, the Sixers should have won because they played terrific throughout that game. It goes to my idea, my theory for, like, MVP, where it's like, and this could be, like, a, um unpopular opinion or it could be very debatable, but for MVP... You should be there when the team needs you. And Joel Embiid, no, for Tatum, Tatum was there when the team needed him. He was like three through the first three quarters. After that, he scored the most po- more points in the Sixers in the last like four minutes. Yeah. The team needed him. And then game seven, Embiid, who claimed that he and Harden cannot win alone. Joel Embiid scores 15 points. Harden scored 19. And most scored was Tobias Harris. So that's not MVP mindset. You're blaming the other your other players, your other teammates. So in that game, the team, the Celtics needed Tatum, and Tatum showed out on Mother's Day in front of his mother and his family. So he. I don't want to interrupt you, Maddox, but blaming his teammates is exactly what Joel Embiid did too, because he got in like the post game presser and literally said, "I, me and James can't win by ourselves." Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, no, blaming his teammates is exactly what he did, and proceed. Yeah. Um. So for the Heat uh, Celtics game, I really haven't watched much of the series between the Knicks and the Heat. But hearing people's uh, thoughts, and a lot of them on, like, ESPN, they were saying how it seems more like Jimmy Butler's team the past several years. And as we see in the bubble, Jimmy Butler played terrific in the in the bubble, uh, played with all of his heart. So as the camera said, we should not – the Celtics should not take this game light, the series lightly. I do think that Celtics could, definitely will probably have a good chance of winning right now. It's 97% chance. They're very, like – huge odds a lot of like a huge chip on our not chip on our shoulder but a lot of, like a huge target on our back having that huge of a percentage but i do think that celtics could get a chance to win this so depend on how well our coaching is and how well tatum plays on on nights off nights but the beauty with the celtics is him and jalen brown tatum doesn't play that well jalen brown will always like pick him i'll pick up the team so i mean as, as long as we play good defense and as long as tatum or brown or both play well I think that definitely could go to this game seven or game six. But I do think the Celtics could get a victory and return to the finals. And now for the Nuggets and the Lakers, I was surprised the Lakers made it this far in general. I did not think they were doing that well. A lot of people didn't think they were doing that well. They were two and 10 at the start of the season. And before the trade deadline, they were not good. And they got some good players. They would let go of Russell Westbrook, let go of Pat Bev. They added D'Angelo Russell. They added Rui Hachimura. So they got some... Um, Key playmakers have did a great job throughout this these playoffs, taking out the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, taking out 
the Golden State Warriors, which I was really thankful for because I wanted the Warriors gone. So with the Lakers and Nuggets, I do think with how well Jokic was playing, but usually it's been Jokic, the sole scorer. So I think as long as you, in my opinion, take out Jokic and stop the Joker, the Lakers could win that series potentially. But because of both teams being undefeated at home, it's going to be very tricky to see who will win on the road because road games are very critical to win, and especially if it's game seven and it's in Denver and the Lakers have a chance to win. They have to play terrific in that game on the road. So road games are going to be very critical in the playoffs. So I think my prediction for the NBA Finals could be the Celtics and the Lakers rematch of the two of the best franchises in NBA history and one of the best rivalries in all sports. Same here, Maddox. I am going for a Celtics-Lakers Finals. That is my first pick. If the Celtics don't make it, then I'm good with the Heat-Lakers rematch of 2020. I'm okay with that. Well, as I look back on the semifinals, um, the Nuggets and Suns, it was the series that I watched the least because um, I did take a look at game six and the Nuggets torched the Suns, same way as Dallas did last year, which is very hilarious looking back at it. And it's still, and it's still funny to this day with the way Dallas torched them last year. And it's funny now because it happened back-to-back seasons and back-to-back elimination games for the Suns. So they fired Monty Williams, so we'll see how which they Which is crazy, play. which is crazy, which is crazy. Yeah, they should really look at trading DeAndre and trade him to a scenario where he would prefer to be in, not stay in Phoenix where he's obviously... <laughs> they shouldn't have kept him in the first place. I know why they kept him. They didn't want to lose him for nothing. But you should have at least done a sign-in trade, like send him somewhere where he will actually be happy at. Because you're just using him, you're just you just have him there because he fills a position, like, which is not it. Monty Williams's fault. The head coach is doesn't isn't like the head of roster construction, so that's a very scapegoat situation in my eyes. But, right. but yeah, when it comes to Aiden, they they really shouldn't have kept him. Like Aiden was underutilized in that system, and he really deserves better. And while I don't. I'll still criticize him for the effort he gave throughout the series against Denver. He really, he really wasn't the best guy to take on Jokic, especially as we've seen throughout the series. But it, I just think it's time for Phoenix to move on from him and trade him for to get some assets because you really need to fix that depth. That you need to repair that bench and get back the depth you once had when you made that title run in 2021, and figure out a way to. Uh, uh, improve your backup point guard position because Cameron Payne, as good as he is from time to time, uh, having him behind Chris Paul, who is at his advanced ages, not the best situation. It's not the situation you really want to be in right now, um, especially with how injury prone Chris Paul is at the moment. But yeah, looking at the other series, Lakers Warriors, I had a lot of fun watching that series. Game six was very fun. Austin Reeves pulling up from half court and knocking it, <laughs> having it be nothing but net. Hey, respect, respect Austin Reeves. You're, you're making us all proud. Um, but yeah, Curry's, Curry and the Warriors, they're out in six games. I had Lakers in six. So, oh, actually, I think I had Lakers in six or seven, but it doesn't matter. I said Lakers in six. So they're in the conference finals and against Nuggets. I think it's going to be the same way, six-game series. Lakers win in six. Um but you are right. It's going to be a battle of matchups for that series. Uh, how Anthony Davis plays uh, Jokic, how LeBron plays his matchup, 
which could be either Aaron Gordon or maybe Jamal Murray, even though D'Lo and Austin Reeves might have their uh, work cut out for them in that department. So we'll see how that goes. For the East, um, I did watch chunks of the Heat Knicks series. Um, it's pretty clear that Miami did fall back down to earth in some ways, especially with their three-point shooting. And Jimmy Butler did get worse from his three-point shot. Throughout the series, he did not even shoot above 20% against the Knicks in six games. Well, he only he missed one game in the series. He played five. But still, he did not shoot at all, good at all from three against New York. So, And same goes for Duncan Robinson, who was scorching hot against Milwaukee, which is very funny. And then he falls right back down to earth against the Knicks. So the three-point shooting is definitely a huge question mark for Miami, taking against Boston, who is well-known for their perimeter defense. Uh, like You have to throw that out there, because if you're going to beat Boston, you really have to be good with your three-point shooting. And um, <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And it is a rematch from last year, but Miami's not the same as they were last season. They lost B.J. Tucker. They don't have Tyler Hero, and they just lost Victor Oladipo in the first round, which, who, by the way, gave Jalen Brown fits last year during the conference finals. So not having him there is going to be very beneficial to Jalen Brown just dominating with his play style. So how Miami plays on the defensive end of the, on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be an interesting factor to look at the series. All in all, I have Celtics in five because this seed squad is not the same as they were last year. And as I said, they lost key pieces in PJ Tucker last season. They don't, they don't have PJ Tucker. And as I said, they don't have Tyler Hero and Oladipo. So their offense will be very up and down in this series. Like they really have to, they really need to have four good games against Boston. And I just don't see that because their offense is not the same and their defense. And while it's still pretty good, they're like they're in the conference finals for a reason. They limited the Bucks the way they did. And they, of course, the Knicks, let's be honest, the Knicks are not the best offensive team in the, in, in the league. Their defense is really what got them to the semifinals with how they limited Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. For the Heat, they just played somewhere to the Knicks defensively and, and just played better offense. That's really all there is to it. And the fact that New York did not have shooters outside of Jalen Brunson. So, yeah, touche. So I do have Celtics in five. and um, But, yeah, the Celtics-Sixers series, the Sixers blew their biggest chance to beat the Celtics in game six. It, that was their chance. They were in Philly. They had home court. And they had a 3-2 lead. And the Celtics were up big to start the game. Then the Sixers made their run. And it helped them because Tatum was struggling. He was ice cold with his shooting. Like the only guys contributing were Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon, you know, the other guy, and Marcus Smart, especially Marcus Smart. And they had the lead in the fourth quarter. Then Tatum yeah. then yeah. woke up. They, and, those, those two games will do, will, is going to do nasty work to Joel Embiid's like, legacy or lack thereof, whatever you kind of want to call it, just because it's, I, I can't really think of another example of like in sports, even of like the, the process that like the Sixers are, that they're, they have the guys and then it doesn't work. And then they reload and they're right there again and it doesn't work. And then they're right there again. And it, it just doesn't work again. And 
this this really felt like the year that they got over the that they got over like kind of that hump um because he's because Joel Embiid's always banged up in the playoffs and some I forget who um brought this up they made the point that like yes he's always banged up but he's always banged up like your yeah. best availability is your abil- uh, your best ability is your availability so to see them kind of like they get that game in Boston and then they're up three two and it like at one point in game six it, it they they had it just felt like they had it and just to like they're slipped through their fingers in game six and not only not only just the the drop off at the end that was such a winnable game I feel like in yeah. game seven that you you've already won in Boston it's not like you're coming off like a single night of rest after the, that game six debacle whatever you want to call it. That, that should be out of your mind by by that point. So to have two, like, just such disappointing losses when it seems like they had the series in their hand, Joel Embiid is going to have to, if he's going to kind of recover from this, it, it he's got to do something big. And it the process isn't over, I guess. I'm rambling. Now it's over. You haven't. <laughs> Since the process started, you haven't made the conference finals at all. And by you, I mean the Sixers. The Clippers made the conference finals. The Clippers. The Blazers made the conference finals. The Suns. The the Atlanta Hawks, who Philly lost to in 2021 in seven games. And we all know one of the main reasons to that is because Ben Simmons decided to pass up an open layup. Philly is cursed, bro. Philly is cursed. You may be right because I'm not sure where you kind of go from here, especially with like kind of the uncertainty around um, James Harden and now Doc Rivers on the way out. Um, yeah, you may be right. I, I, I don't know where you go from here because if this if you have the MVP and, you know, a future Hall of Fame guard I and you have like a very clear ceiling in the second round, I with this core, I'm not. What do you What do you add to the mix to you know lift that ceiling? So I'm not sure where you go from there. <laughs> but yeah, overall, Celtics in five, Lakers in six, prompting Lakers Celtics finals. But of course, anything can happen in the conference finals, and as we've seen in this playoffs, that is definitely the scenario that will be ongoing. Anything can happen. With that. That'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.